Hey everyone, this is Rhett, the Dungeon Master for Stack of Dice. In this special episode, I want to talk about the game mechanic of level progression. One of the reasons D&D grabbed me when I was a kid was that it didn't just start over every time you sat down to play it, as with just about any other board game out there. The notion that your character could hold on to experience and become stronger over time was a revelation to me, and I genuinely believe that one aspect more than anything was the primary reason I wanted to get into the game. But then, after playing for a while, I began to realize something. The way the core rules are set up makes it so that the vast majority of experience points, or XP, comes from combat situations. It's not just my observation either. In other games in which I've been involved, players have inevitably discovered this same drawback to the leveling system in D&D. Is drawback too harsh a word? Perhaps. But I think the combat-centric XP system presents a bit of a dilemma. DMs don't necessarily want their characters carving a path of destruction through a carefully crafted campaign, but players feel compelled to because that's just how you get your characters to become more powerful, right? I confess this mentality has been a pitfall for me when I play a character, and it tends to lead to repetitive scenarios. Find monster, hack it up, loot and level, find new monster, ugh. Imagine my delight when I saw that Mike Merles, one of the many talented D&D folks at Wizards of the Coast, released a short article on shaking up the way XP works within the game. They called it the three-pillar experience approach, and big shocker here, it involves three ways to be rewarded. Before we go over the pillars, we need to familiarize ourselves with the tier system laid out in the player's handbook. On page 15, the rules tell us that characters from levels 1 through 4 are considered tier 1. This means they're apprentice adventurers, and are known primarily at the local level. They might be recognized figures in a town, for instance. Levels 5 through 10 are tier 2, and have come into their own. They're more powerful, and face dangers that threaten cities and kingdoms. Tier 3 characters are levels 11 through 16, and they're considered special, even among adventurers. They're equipped to deal with threats to whole regions and continents. Finally, Tier 4 characters are on the way to achieving archetypal status. They influence the fate, as it says, of the world, or even the fundamental order of the multiverse. It'll be helpful to keep these distinctions in mind as we go through the pillars, which we'll do now. The first pillar is exploration, a facet that covers two primary components, discovering items and discovering places. I love this notion because now players have a reason to deviate from a quest line. What's that over there? A ruined castle? And we don't need to be in the next town for another two days? Let's go check it out. I think rewarding players' curiosity is a masterstroke and is really what setting a game in a fantasy world is all about. I'm all for it. Additionally, getting rewarded for discovering special items, which are often in hard-to-reach places and guarded by all sorts of nasty critters, is also worthy of reward. I also like the fact that the amount of XP awarded is based on the relative importance of the place or item. Not only do I think players will be excited to get XP for non-combat activity, but they'll also get a sense for just how important their discovery is thanks to the XP they're awarded. One aspect of this pillar that isn't in the article, but that I want to insert, 
is discovery points as opposed to purely exploration points. I see a difference between spotting a place along your route and actually going to check it out. Because of this, I intend to tell players that when they see a place from a distance, they get 1 XP for discovering the location. If they choose to go check it out, they can fully explore it for an additional number of XP commensurate with the importance of the location. As the article says, finding a treasure or exploring a location appropriate to your tier earns you 10 XP, plus an additional 10 XP for each tier above your current tier. So if you find an ancient cathedral and you're at level 1 or tier 1, and the cathedral has stuff in it that's at, say, tier 3, you could get as much as 30 XP just for exploring the cathedral. I like this. Just because a location nets a character a discovery point doesn't mean it'll necessarily be worth extra XP. Ruins atop a hill could be worth a discovery point. But when they get there, the characters find it's just a heap of tumbled-down stone. But the point is, they won't know unless they check it out. Discovery also lends itself to keeping a list of places to visit, maybe when the party isn't particularly engaged. They may spot something of interest on the way to a quest objective, but then plan to return to check it out more later. I'll encourage this, since it'll help keep players on their toes, and it will give me hooks for later possible plot points or chances to let the players add some meat to the world of Vardalon. The second pillar is all about social interaction. All I can say is, it's about time. This is probably my favorite pillar in this article. Now players can get rewarded for speaking with non-player characters, or NPCs, a facet of the game that often gets little or no attention at all. Just like the exploration pillar above, players get XP awards based on the influence of the NPC with whom they're speaking. The various character tiers get varying XP for turning important NPCs into allies, aligning them with your cause, or denying them as assets to your enemies. The tier levels outlined in the pillar are dependent on the influence the NPC has. Again, I like the stepped leveling of XP awards here. Characters gain 10 XP for swaying an NPC appropriate to their tier, plus an additional 10 XP for each tier above the current one. They gain 5 XP for affecting an NPC one tier below, but gain no XP for NPCs of a lower tier than that. So there's a cutoff at which you speaking with someone no longer gives you experience points, but I'm still going to encourage players to be actively involved with talking with NPCs because that's going to help the world to feel more alive. This way, higher level players are nudged toward interacting with those capable of affecting large-scale change, while lower-level characters are rewarded for becoming accustomed to speaking with influential NPCs. Like I said, this pillar excites me because for so long, NPCs have become the wallpaper of role-playing games. I know when I play an RPG on the PlayStation, I tend to skip past lengthy discussions if I feel they've gone on long enough. Rewarding players for interactions with NPCs has been sorely neglected. So working this in is going to be a fun thing for me. I think it'll also influence how genuinely players interact with in-world characters. We'll see how it goes. The third and final pillar is, well, combat. But XP awards have been toned down considerably. Instead of getting hundreds or even thousands of XP for defeating a monster in combat, the article says it's determined by comparing the monster's challenge rating to your level. 
In most cases, you gain 5 XP per monster defeated. That award increases to 15 XP if a monster's challenge rating is twice your level or more. If its challenge rating is half your level or less, that award drops to 2 XP. While it's been a feature in editions before this, I'm also glad to see the article notes XP can be for defeating monsters or leaving them in a state in which they pose no threat. This leaves the door wide open to all sorts of alternatives to combat, such as negotiation, ingenious ruses, or maybe just locking them in a room. I plan to give more XP for clever avoidance of combat over just mindless headbashing, although there may be times when mindless headbashing is needed. The last touch I want to cover on the three-pillar approach is that each character level is 100 XP. Regardless of whether you're first level aiming for second or 19th aiming for 20th, your goal will be 100 XP. Also, there is no XP division. In the core rulebook, if you defeat a monster and you have help, you split the total XP amount between everyone involved. Not so in this approach. When I say you each get 10 XP, everyone gets 10 XP. So that's how we're going to run experience points in this game. Three ways of getting XP and an easy to remember goal of 100 XP per level. We'll give it a go and see how it works out for us. I think it'll not only simplify level tracking, but will also reward players for good role playing and exploration while also making it less rewarding to simply hack and slash through to the next character level. This may not affect play in some cases. I'm looking at you, Tira. But we won't know until we try. Perhaps this will also make it easy for the good folks at Wizards of the Coast to see how their proposed design works within a real game. Whatever the case, I'm all for improvements that lead to more immersive gameplay experiences, and I think this will be a helpful step in the right direction. If you're interested in reading the original two-page Unearthed Arcana article that this podcast episode is based on, we'll share the link in the show notes for easy reference. Happy gaming, and we'll see you next time.